Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back once again here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And I am still in shock. I am still surprised. And I can say pleasantly surprised because this is this is actually a good thing. We have new NBA champions. And not just new NBA champions. We have new NBA champions in a whole nother country. That's still something I never thought would happen, like, ever. And I've been watching the NBA my entire life. And the fact that the Toronto Raptors are the NBA champions is, is driving me nuts right now. And and I'm actually proud. I'm not one of those people that hate it. It's, it's just an interesting thing. I mean, you're talking about a team that has only existed since 1995 They've gone through so many different changes from different eras, from the Damon Stoudemire era to the Vince Carter era to DeRozan and or even, you know, I guess we forgot the Chris Bosh era in between there. You got to count that. That was a moment. They didn't win much, but he was there. And for them to not only reach the NBA finals, but to then win the whole thing against arguably one of the greatest teams of all time. In six games is amazing. And uh, just hats off to the entire staff. Uh, Nick Nurse, who uh, he, he look, I'm I'm going to eat crow here. I was one of those people that when they made the decision to hire Nick Nurse and fire Dwayne Casey after Dwayne Casey had just won coach of the year. I was all over him. I was like, this is terrible. Like, how can you do that? This is stupid. Nick Nurse did a hell of a job coaching this team. He is a huge reason for why they are NBA champions. And I'm still, you know, it kind of just shut me up in terms of what I thought of him coming in because no one heard of him. Uh, He's coached, I think, like G League, uh, international. uh, He's coached everywhere. And to be the head coach of a Toronto Raptors team that wasn't really going in transition. It was going through a change because their best player was just traded in DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard, a guy that had so many question marks coming in because he barely played the season before, had beef with the San Antonio Spurs organization. And, you know, the the thought of just defying Greg Popovich, you know, like Popovich is basically like a god in basketball right now. And Kawhi Leonard told him how he wanted to play basketball and refused to play for him. It was such a defiant move. And man, there's not a bigger person in the world than Kawhi Leonard in terms of being that guy and knowing his body, knowing his worth, knowing his value. You know, we talk about that so much in the world and Kawhi Leonard just put it on display in front of millions of people, billions of people, if you want to put it in perspective, the international influence of this NBA Finals. It's it's amazing. It's one of those stories that will be told for years to come and I had to, like I said, I had to eat crow, and I can't even run away from the notion that I was actually going to pick the Raptors to win the title this year because I didn't have them anywhere near that. Actually, I had them probably losing in the semis to Philly. That's 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 my honest pick. And I'm actually, because I'm a man of my word and said how I, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, I was totally for this trade and everything. I have a clip from an interview um, conversation that I had last year here on the show with uh, Lala Kasheshian. She is a Toronto, um, Toronto-based uh, reporter, covers sports, covers the Raptors. We had a whole conversation about Toronto sports. It was for an episode where I focused solely on international sports. I had a soccer. I talked about soccer. I talked about hockey. I talked about different things. But part of the segment, we talked about the Toronto Raptors and just the influence basketball the NBA has in Canada. And I'm going to replay a part of that later so you could hear just my thoughts on the initial trade and how I was so against it and how how could Toronto give up with DeMar DeRozan. I was one of those people. So like I said, I'm going to put myself out there. So I'm going to replay it a little bit later in the show, uh, as well as uh, the parade footage. Uh, well, the audio, I should say, for everyone to listen to some of the things that were said by the team, just the uh, the excitement and just how crazy it was in Toronto. That parade for anybody that watched it, I mean, that was amazing. It had to be one of the greatest things I've ever seen. 
in regards to the town, the city, the, the country coming out to Toronto. And their fan base is amazing. And, and like I said, there's nothing like Canada. It's something I, I want to experience. I actually want to go out there just to see how how vibrant it really is because they did a heck of a job of hosting the NBA Finals for the first time. It was uh, something no one will ever forget. And uh, it's just it's just a Cinderella. You know, I don't want to call it a Cinderella story because they've been in contention in the past. They just never had that that last little bit to get over that, you know, that LeBron hurdle. They've always seemed to run to LeBron like most people did in the East. Obviously, LeBron went out West. But I believe even if LeBron and the Cavs were still here and they had to deal with Kawhi Leonard, I don't think they would have had a shot either. So I, this is a legit title. There is no asterisk. I know people want to say, oh, Durant was hurt. Uh, Clay Thompson got hurt in that last game. They beat this team. They were running different sets at uh, Steph, um, Steph Curry the entire time. They had a game where Steph Curry scored about 40 plus points and they lo- and the Warriors lost. The Warriors lost all their home games. I I just can't, you know, stress that enough. That was a a straight beatdown realistically. You know, if they don't if the Warriors don't get hot at the end of game 5, the Raptors beat them four games to one easy. Let's be honest. This was it was a crazy, it was a fun series. Every game was close. So I can't say easy, but it was a fun series to watch. I didn't feel like there was a moment where I was like, okay, I can't get into this. They're all over them. This isn't worth watching. It was exciting. It was a great job by both teams. And obviously the Raptors were the better squad. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens with the Warriors and what they're going to do moving forward. I mean, the whole situation regarding Kevin Durant, will he come back? And, you know, the whole Achilles tear is going to be out for a season. What team is going to want to pick him up? The Knicks are always, you know, my Knicks. Uh, my Knicks. And everyone wants to talk about them as possibly being an option. As big a Knicks fan as I am, I'm scared. Because we went through this before. We were going to go do this with Porzingis. We were going to let him sit out this season. But halfway through, he was like, I don't want to do that. I'm going to get into some trouble off the court. And then I want to leave. So now we got Kevin Durant. And it becomes a thought of, do we throw this money at him? How much money do we spend on him? Or are we better off just standing, you know, just not spending any money? We deal with R.J. Barrett, who I'm happy, very happy to say is a New York Nick that is official now. Uh, for those that watch Sportsnet New York, you can't see me and uh, two of my coworkers, shout out to Gary and Pete, uh, sharing our thoughts on R.J. Barrett and uh, how happy we were. This was at a draft party in uh, Manhattan. So shout out to SNY for uh, putting us on TV for that. You know, it's one of those things where I look at I look at the, the NBA and how much has changed. The Raptors are the sign of that new that new type of league we're in. We're actually going to have more teams in contention. It's not going to be just the same teams. It felt like a breath of fresh air for a lot of people. And I hope this does continue. The NBA does need this. They do need that parity. It will be interesting to see what happens with not only the Warriors, but teams like the Lakers picking up Anthony Davis, teams like uh, the Pelicans, you know, after making the trade, they picked up all these young players, including uh, draft picks from everyone. Uh, David Griffin just had the job for not even a couple of weeks, and he's already up there with possible executive of the year honors. It's uh, it's it's always fun. This offseason is always fun. Free agency is about to begin. Ah, it's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to seeing how each team makes adjustments and who is going to get dealt because no one is safe. I can't see anyone being safe. And you can't say, oh, well, this player is going to stay. We just saw Anthony Davis get traded. We just saw players like DeMar DeRozan last year get traded that we thought would stay in Toronto forever. Right now, they're going to use what the Raptors did as a blueprint for, hey, if you want to win a title, you got to go all in. You can't always worry about next year and, you know, two years from now, three years from now, is that player going to stay? It changes the leverage a little bit when it comes to free agency. Because the leverage is always kind of like, all right, well, if you trade me to someplace I want to go, I'm only going to stay for one year and sign somewhere else, then you're going to lose everything. Well, what if you win everything that one year? Isn't that what you want anyway? You want to win that title. Toronto won the title. Kawhi Leonard 
may or may not stay there, but that's something to really consider. He just won a title, and they treat him like a king in Toronto. It'll be kind of hard to, to walk away, but once again, Kawhi Leonard's a different type of guy. It doesn't take a lot to, you know, he just he doesn't get riled up at all. Doesn't get excited, never too high, never too low. It's going to be fun. I'm having a lot of fun with what the NBA is going to be. And, you know, I hate this to, to once again rain down on the Warriors uh, parade here, but or lack thereof. You're not going to have Klay Thompson probably for the season. He tore his ACL. Durant, we don't know. You got Andre Iguodala talking about the Warriors situation in the past with Mark Jackson. That was a whole thing. Uh, you know, how he was. Was he blackballed as a coach? He started talking about that. He's selling a book, so... I understand that's that's the game. You got to play the game. You got him also saying that he will never come to the Knicks, that there's no way Kevin Durant will come to the Knicks. He's going on show saying that as well. It's it's become so much fun. Like mind you, the season ended. We had the draft. We got the the summer league coming up. People are excited for summer league. The NBA is officially a year-round sport. The league is year-round. Then we're going to stop talking about the NBA. There's always something happening. There's always something being talked about. And, you know, hats off to the hats off to the commissioner. Hats off to the administration. They've done a heck of a job of keeping the NBA super relevant no matter what. Even when it was the same finals for the last four years prior to this one. So it's 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 going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Um but speaking of the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets, as you all know, had an amazing season. They made it to the playoffs. They finally showed that they could turn that corner. And and one of their biggest things that helped them turn that corner was their health. I mean, you're talking about guys that were dealing with injuries throughout the season and having to come back and just having to face those obstacles. A guy like Karis LeVert, for example... I mean, at one point, we thought his season was over, his career was in jeopardy, and all of a sudden, he's back on the court. It was just an amazing sight, and like I said, I wanted to get to the bottom of it, so I had the opportunity to speak with assistant athletic trainer Jaina Austin of the Brooklyn Nets, and she broke down the entire situation regarding Karras' rehab and what their mindset was going into it, as well as her other roles or responsibilities within the Nets organization, including working the summer league game. So uh, shout out to the Brooklyn Nets organization. We do a great job of, um, you know, allowing us access to speak with different members and just to understand what's going on. So stay tuned for that next. You're listening to Sports Social with Eddie Stein Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, iHeartRadio and Spotify iHeartRadio now combines your favorite radio stations plus your on-demand music collection all in one app. iHeartRadio All Access now allows you to take your music collection offline to listen anywhere without a connection or using data. From the My Music Pivot, tap on a playlist you want to take offline. Toggle to offline. Indicators will fill in seconds, showing when your tracks and playlists are available offline. Radio plus unlimited music all in one app. It's not always easy being a dad. When's the fairy princess coming? Any minute now. What? What do you mean she's not coming? But it's always worth it. It's a fairy princess! It is I! Groom's Zinkle Bell! The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. I know it's really you, Drew. I'm just pretending for the other kids. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4-DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Called for the offensive foul. And yeah, actually, Arch made that call just then. Karis LeVert returns for Brooklyn. And please welcome back to the floor, Brooklyn net number 22. Karis LeVert! Um, first, I just want to ask, like, how's it feel just having this event today? This is the first uh, all-girls clinic, I believe, with the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I think it's awesome because it just shows that, like, we give back. We want the youth to be involved. We want women to be involved because, like, 
as you can tell over the statistics and the years, like women's sports and just like the women in participation has gone down historically. So like we want little girls just to have that spark, have that light and know like, hey, you can still do it. It's exciting. Like get them involved early and just get that drive involved and instilled in them at such a young age and just to show them like even though all of those coaches, like all of the coaches here, we all have different backgrounds in sports and when it comes to it, but we have different backgrounds and like the only way we were able to get here is by dedication and hard work and just showing that we wanted to do this. So I think it's awesome. And I was speaking of dedication and hard work, you, you work as a, on the training staff, yeah. I believe, with the Brooklyn Nets. I do. Uh, can you just like give an idea of just the work ethic that you had to go through just to get to that point and obviously, you know, working in the NBA, working with the Nets? Yeah, so the misconception is, oh, you're just at the highest level, everything's just fun and games. No, 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 no. So working at that level, you literally dedicate your life to it. Um, I am with them 24-7 for nine months straight. And even outside of those nine months, when we are in the off season, I get maybe two weeks off, and after that, we start back with draft workouts, then we have to get ready for summer league. So it is really, if you do this and you make it to this level, just like with the players, you are dedicated, and you are understanding that you are literally dedicating your whole entire time that you are with them to them. And so you have to be dedicated. You have to show hard work. You have to be passionate about whatever you do. You have to love what you do. Because if you don't love it, it's not going to be fun. And my biggest thing is, yes, it's a lot of hard work. Yes, there are a lot of sleepless nights. But at the end of the day, when I lay my head down, I know I love it. So for me, working with the guys um, on a day-to-day basis, doing a lot of injury prevention care, a lot of like first aid and hands-on, helping with the rehab side of it. So it's definitely more on the medical side versus like the personal training side people kind of get that misconception of athletic trainers but yeah we're more on the medical side sports medicine so i love it it's awesome will you be making a trip with them to uh, vegas for the summer league team as well yes i will be heading the summer league team i'll be their athletic trainer for that so i'm excited i'm definitely excited just to get out there it's going to be a long two weeks but i'm just excited to see and just be able to see the guys develop and the obviously nick claxton our guy that we just drafted seeing him in action so i'm definitely excited for that and uh, my last question is, guys, said so you work with all these players and you're helping them through their rehab process. What is it that a lot of people may not realize since all the work that they have to do just to get back? <laughs> it's more than just, okay, I feel fine today. Yeah. Like, we have to listen to the body. We have to understand the healing process. We have to be mentally strong in those aspects because a lot of times it's frustrating when they want to go back out, but their body literally is not healed yet and we can't. We have to hold them back. So takes a lot of dedication on their end because they also have to stay ready in the game and understanding different plays but then when they come to see us they have to be giving it 100% with the rehab and it can get frustrating because you may feel fine but we know that your body's like no not yet we got to wait another week or you know whatever the case may be so it just shows how dedicated they really are to their craft and just understanding their body better and that's on us to educate them and educate everyone around them on how the healing process works and how to get them stronger and better so that when they do return they're better than when they first got injured so and I said, uh, have one more actually I want to throw okay. in there. Uh, Karis LeVert, mm-hmm. he had the, uh, the injury earlier yep. in the season. A lot of people thought he'd be done for the year. And obviously you guys had to you know, help him through that process. What was the expectation when the injury uh, initially happened and how you got to that point now and he was able to play in the playoffs and he's such a big contributor? Well, initially we just wanted to take care of the injury itself. It was just a matter of managing the injury to the best of our ability. And then we had our director of rehab, Stefania Rizzo, head the his rehab, which she was amazing at. Um, but we didn't create any timelines like that until we were ready to. The initial thing was making sure Paris was okay and that we had him in the most optimal environment and space to grow and to rehab and to come back. Um, so for us, that's basically, that was our main point. It's not a timeline. It was more so re- seeing how his body reacted and going from there. Thank you very much. I'm Paul George. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council.
card, number eight, Jordan Lloyd. At forward, number 13, Malcolm Miller. At center, number 15, Eric Forward, le numéro 26, number 25, Chris Boucher. At forward, number three, OG Hanunami. At guard, number 17. Jeremy Lynn. At guard, number 20, Jody Meeks. At guard, number one, Patrick
of your Toronto Raptors, Nick Nurse. Thank you. Hang on a second. I'm going to do a quick uh, show of hands here. How many people watched game six in Oakland the other night? say first of all thank you to the great players man was given a great team to coach give them a round of applause for me awesome unbelievable toughness courage work determination togetherness man they were awesome they deserved it they really deserved to win the title thank you to my coaching staff Prepared, prepared great so these guys could go out and play their best. Played great, developed the players all year, put great game plans together, all that stuff. But this thing is really special because of you people. Never seen anything like that parade, I'm sure I never will again. That was really something today. Thank you all for coming out. One last thing, hold on a second. One last thing. I think it was Bono who said the world needs more Canada. The world just got it. Congratulations. This next individual I want to bring up to the stage really doesn't need an introduction. He's been here seven years. He's a five-time All-Star. He's North Philly's finest. He's Bay Street's finest. You know who he is. You know. Let me hear it. Come on now. He wants a little more. The man that's got all the heart. For Kyle Lowry! Uh, first and foremost, uh, I want to thank all the fans that we have out here. Give yourselves a round of applause because we wouldn't be doing this for you if it wasn't for you guys. So give yourselves a hand. Um, I'm not going to stay here too long. But this group of guys, coaches, general manager, president, board of governors, this is a small knit group, and we did this together. We fought every day. 
We practiced hard, we worked hard, and we just kept our faith. And at the end of the day, y'all always gonna be my brothers. Always. And we are now world champs together. And that's all that really matters. But I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. Um, it's been a long time coming. And uh, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Kalo! Spicy. Oh, yeah. He's all kind of spicy. Let's hear it for Spicy P. And wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Green Ranger, Danny Money Green. Y'all want the mic? All right, you got him? You got him? Danny's going to do a little interview here. It's my first time doing this. Yeah. Uh, first, I want to thank uh, my teammates. You know, you guys have been amazing. I, I know I haven't been able to give much on the court for you guys, but I hopefully, I've <laughs> hopefully I I've helped you guys. You know, in the locker room a little bit with some leadership. Now, on all seriousness, in all seriousness, I know I've been a pain in the ass all year trying to be a player coach. Um, and teach you guys some habits and things and how to be a champion. Um, but you guys have taught me a lot, man, a lot this year. And I really appreciate you guys and have my back and encouraged me, even when I had some struggles throughout the way. So I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. And uh, to the fans, uh, I really want to thank you guys for embracing me. I know I'm the other guy in the trade. I really, I really appreciate you guys embracing me with open arms as the other guy in the trade and making me feel at home and, and allowing me to enjoy this ride and win the championship. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it another year. Danny Green. Wait a minute. We got Spicy P and we need Fred Van Vliet down here. Freddie V. Come on down. Yeah, you. Mr. Fourth Quarter. Let's hear from Mr. Fourth Quarter himself. Pascal, I know you want to say thanks to the fans, so I'm going to turn the mic over to you right now, and then we're going to give it to Freddie. Oh, you got a mic already. Yo! Hey, man, I just want to say thank you guys, man. The, the support has been unbelievable. Um, so excited to be here. I'm, I'm glad we did it for you guys. You guys deserve this. Um, and you know, we, we were champs, so let's enjoy this. Thank you. Spice. Spicy P. Spicy P. Spicy P. And Freddie V. Playoff Pal. Norman Playoff Pal. Yeah. We world champions! Um, honestly, um, from the bottom of my heart, um, stick with me for a minute. I'm losing my voice, just enjoying this moment uh, with my, my teammates in this organization and the fans. But um, I've been here the second longest uh, on the team right behind Kyle. Been through all the ups and the downs of the playoffs. My four years here, being so close to making it to the finals. My my rookie season and uh, to come full circle and be able to stand here on this stage with the group of guys, with the group of men, with the front office and the organization owners um, is a blessing. Um, it's a blessing to you guys um, just to be able to share this moment. I'm so proud and so thankful for all the work that these guys have put in. Um, you guys are along the ride with us every step of the way. So like my boy Freddie said, man, enjoy this moment. Enjoy this time, enjoy this championship with this group of guys behind us, and turn up all summer, man, because I'm with y'all. Let's go, baby. What it do, baby? What it do, baby? After the trade with open arms, man, it made my experience that much better. This group of guys let me do what I do on the floor. Coach Nick, let me do what I do. 
And now we got a championship. Thank you. And like they said, enjoy this, enjoy this moment and have fun with it. Aha, ha, ha, ha. What it do, baby? Sports Social with Eddie Stin Jr. We are back, and I'm on the line right now with a sports journalist from Canada, and I believe Toronto, Canada, correct? Yes, exactly. Okay, I have Miss Lala Kashishian, and I butchered the name. I apologize because I said <laughs> I wasn't going to do this. Right before we got on there, I said I wasn't going to do this, but um, welcome okay, to the show. okay. You got it when you corrected yourself. <laughs> I tried, I tried. You know, I'm pretty terrible at this, but you know, I try. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, like I said, welcome to the show, and and uh, just thank you because uh, there's so much going on in Canada, and yep. you know, I'm hoping that you can try to help you know us uh, us silly Americans out as to what's going on in regards to just this whole thing with Toronto trading Demar Derozan for Kawhi Leonard because we're still trying to figure it out as to why Toronto yeah. would want to do this for a guy that is, um, at least from what we see on the outside, is just loved in Toronto? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, So with Toronto fans, I don't think a lot of people in the States realize how popular basketball is becoming in Canada, Toronto especially. There's so many individuals taking – like larger steps and so many Canadians in the draft now and like just so many grassroots programs like becoming AAU and coming to the States to travel. And now a lot of kids want to play basketball and basketball, I won't say it's dethroned hockey in Toronto or Canada, but definitely it's coming up there. And we really were hurting, especially this past season in the NBA when we got swept by the Cavs, like, Everyone said there's no way that we'll make it to the finals, but at the same time, we said if there's any year we're going to make it to the finals, it's going to be this year. We were the number one. We were the number one seed in the East, which has never happened in franchise history. Mm-hmm. We had a franchise high in wins. So many firsts for our franchise, and we couldn't get the job done. We couldn't get that LeBron monkey off our back, and we've fallen to LeBron three times now in a row, and. It sucks. So everyone, the whole fan base was like, we need to make a change. We want change. And what did Masai Reedy do? He made a change. First, he fired Dwayne Casey, which, of course, everyone was up in the air. Like, how could they do that? He was the best coach. It Mm -hmm. wasn't his fault. It was DeRozan and Lowry's fault. So then what does Masai do? He gets rid of DeRozan. Oh, but how could he get rid of DeRozan? So I think our fan base was truly confused on what we wanted because we want to change, but did we really want, like, this big of a change? Yeah, and that's what uh, caught me off guard, especially the whole Casey situation. I mean, you talk about a guy that you knew he was going to win Coach of the Year. Uh, he led the exactly. team to the most wins in franchise history. And, it, you know, it's like they were – I understand getting to the finals was the number one priority or number one team. You should not get swept by any means. I agree with that completely. But you're going against LeBron James. You're going against LeBron James. You know, it's, but it's it, the worst Cavaliers team since what the two, 2008 that he's taken that far. We had yeah. all the right pieces, all the right chemistry, and I think it was last finals, the 2016-17 season, where DeRozan was talking in a post-game conference, and he literally sounded so inferior to LeBron. And as our star player, as our franchise player. You can't go into a, into a game thinking that the other player is better than you because you'll never surpass them. Right. I, you know, I do agree with that. And just seeing, obviously, DeRozan as a player, I think the guy is an amazing player, an amazing scorer, can do a lot of things. He's gotten better every single year. It's just Definitely. still – it's just so, it's so odd because when you get a player like that and you just signed him to a big contract, and he's a, the franchise, you know, leader in scoring and all these different things, how much he's loved in Toronto. From That's all we heard all the time. And for just like just like that, let's just trade him for uh, Kawhi Leonard, who doesn't even want to be there. That's what made a controversy. He's warming up like, to it. I think 
you know what? I have so much to say about that because Toronto really, like, we've never had a player this loyal. I mean, of course, the media screwed everything up with Vince Carter. Vince Carter didn't truly want to leave, but he did want out. He left, and we hated Vince Carter for a bit. Chris Bosh publicly requested a trade and left to form the first super team. And so to finally have DeRozan, who was so openly willing to give his whole career to our franchise, you know, that we got us to eat. So many people in Toronto have that on T-shirts and, you know, have that, that like as a poster because that meant so much to not only the city but the country to know that one player had our back. And I think that's one thing that Kawhi has – has an experience. A lot of NBA players don't experience a whole country being behind them and supporting them. And I think as a fan base, we need to forget about DeRozan's Instagram stories and his subliminal, like depressing posts, like and emojis that he's using. We need to remember how we felt getting swept and how we felt consistently losing to LeBron and the change we demanded and now the change that we got. We needed something to happen to this team, and we finally got it. Everyone, we wanted American coverage, and when American coverage is covered Toronto, they'd say, this team needs a superstar. We got our superstar in Kawhi. We don't know how willing he's going to be to play. We don't know how he is recovering from his injury, but we finally have that superstar, and we have someone who's probably going to get us more American coverage, who's going to get us more ESPN coverage. I'm really excited. I think as a fan base, we need to embrace him instead of wanting DeRozan back. Yeah, because I, like I said, I was very, um, I was just really surprised that Toronto was the team that was going to end up getting him. And just the whole. Yeah, no um, one expected that. No one. This kind of just came up, I felt like, overnight. And even DeRozan, even when he found out the news, it was literally overnight. Um, I think that was really messed up. Yeah. That I get was, it. That like, is really we, can, we can have the loyalty versus. Um, this like business argument for hours, but there's a way to go about it, and especially the most loyal player we've had, they yeah. should have talked about it with him because he, the way his posts were, we all think that he was, you know, they kind of stabbed him in the, in the back, and he wasn't as aware of this as we may have thought he was. Yeah, it's it's safe to say that the PR for the Toronto Raptors is going to need a lot more work. Looks like Drake is going to have to do a couple <laughs> more Drake nights because after the coaching situation, obviously this whole trade, and if Kawhi doesn't pan out, because already Kawhi's a guy I don't trust him after the whole thing, the whole stunt that he pulled with San Antonio about not wanting to play and and you yeah, know whether he hurt like, or not, that's scary. If you're if you're getting a player like that, that's you know I, I want to say unstable because that's kind of like what he is. He's he's thinking more for himself and. And not really the team. That's a scary type of player to have to be the be your best player. Exactly. And he didn't even go support his team in the playoffs. He wasn't even sitting on the bench. And this was his team for years, for seasons. He won he won a championship with his team. So what he he won't even it makes me mm-hmm. scared to, to even think about what he won't do with a team that he didn't originally have any interest coming to. Exactly. And that was uh now I, I gotta say this, I'm a Knicks fan. And, you know, we're a okay. whole other train wreck. But, uh, you know, there was always a thought like, oh, man, maybe we could sneak up and get Kawhi. Even I, even as a Knicks fan, and, you know, we need everything. I, I was you saying do. I don't want to deal with that. And you I, still I, wanted Kawhi? No, 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 no. I didn't want Kawhi. Like, even oh, with all that, I didn't want him because because of those reasons. I don't want a guy that just because he has a bad day or he just doesn't feel like it will just sit out of a game. You know, like, I just yeah. feel like you're supposed to have a competitive spirit no matter what, especially when you're the best player on the team. That that drove me nuts. I, I don't know. Kawhi, I lost a lot of respect for him. I always loved his game. I think he's one of the best um, two-way players in basically in the game. Absolutely. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he does in Toronto. So, look, I'm, like I said, I wish you guys the best of luck, and I think Drake has his work out for him. <laughs> You know, but Thank you. I think I th- I'm personally really excited. Kawhi was my favorite player up until, like you said, you kind of lose respect for a guy that isn't suiting up every night or isn't willing to open up and talk about why he isn't suiting up and he won't even show his face. But I think mm-hmm. the picture with him and Masai at the BioSteel practice arena, he had a little smile, a little smirk, and that gave me some either optimism or that he's staying or he's happy that he's finally out of the 
the Spurs franchise. And I don't know, I saw a tweet that they posted the picture and they're like, smile if you're only staying for one season. But hmm. even if that's the case, this is going to be an exciting season. And I really hope that he embraced, we are able to embrace him and he's able to embrace the city. Like, I know Drake will give him anything he wants. <laughs> oh, I'm excited question. to see Kawhi in those OVO night jerseys. The environment Which, in the now Scotiabank Arena used to be the Air Canada Center. The environment right. in that arena is electric. You know, sold out every night. Mm. Everyone wants to, to go see basketball. And I think now, of course, it's so sad that DeRozan isn't there, but we got Kawhi. We still got Lowry. He's a fan favorite for sure. We got Norm. OG is totally on the come up. We all love OG. He's kind of mm-hmm. like a young Kawhi, I think. Like yeah, a, a two-way see. player. He's quiet. He's reserved. I can see that. I can definitely see that growing. And um, just the fact that you said how you mentioned how it's always live, you know, it's it's really exciting now for a Raptors game. It probably wasn't the case before even Vince Carter or even during the Chris Bosh era. Now, oh, absolutely I ask, not. Yeah, I have to ask, is it because of Drake being a part of it or just because the team got better? Because everyone has their theory, you know, when Drake kind of said, oh, like, you know, I'm the Toronto Raptors ambassador. Does he really have that much of a presence in, in uh, Toronto? He really does. Wow. Everything is like the six, it's OVO. He has so many stores and, like, different restaurants around the city. Everyone loves Drake. And even at my – I go to Ryerson University, and my gym practice is – my gym where all the varsity games are played is the, vars, is the Madame Athletic Center. And that was – used to be the Maple Leaf Gardens, like where the, the historic building, the first ever NBA game was played there, the um, Toronto Huskies versus the New York Knickerbockers. And that's where the right. Maple Leafs won all of their – all of their, like, historic Stanley Cups. And, you know, Drake has every Friday in July, it's currently going on, is it used to be OVO Bounce, now it's Crown League, it's Nike-sponsored. We get NBA players coming every every year to come play. Last year we got DeLon Wright, Kelly Olnick, and Norman Powell came to play. It's free. The whole city comes out in hopes to see Drake. Drake used to come. Trey Songs used to come. He used to get all these powerful figures. You get the best. Toronto Caribbean DJs coming to play. And at my school at Ryerson University, there were two guys that played for OVO Nico in Crown League. So then you get all these OVO guys like OVO Nico, OVO Brian coming to our gym. So they just have such a big presence all around the city. And I wouldn't say that people started coming to the games for Drake Knight or because Drake became the ambassador. I think the Raptors, once Lowry came, like DeRozan didn't really do much on his own. Once Lowry came, then we started going to the playoffs. But right. I think them two together, and then it was kind of like raising to the glass ceiling, and then Drake coming at the right time just broke through the grass, glass ceiling. So I just think it, think it was a perfect timing that everything came together. Wow, that's really interesting. You know, obviously we hear stories from here, and, and to see that it's really a big deal, that how Drake is, it seems like such a short amount of time is just taking over. Yeah. Uh, I I like to single-handedly think that he brought the first, the inaugural Toronto All-Star Weekend in 2016 here. Hmm. Right, That was so exciting. Did you go to anything? I got to work the center court. So it was like the fan experience, and I got to work with Isaiah Thomas. I got to work with Robert Horry. I got to work with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, who were best friends at the time. (laughs) It was an amazing experience, and – just to have that, to know all those athletes were in our city, it was crazy. And I think that was also Kobe's last uh, All-Star game. Exactly. In Toronto, we got to witness that. Yeah, so, hey, you know, that's actually a very good point. And considering, you know, even going back to, like, the Vancouver Grizzlies, I don't know if you remember them at all. Um <laughs> That was something that didn't last long. And I, I remember how, when that started, and Toronto was getting a little bit of a fan base, but uh, Vancouver was getting nothing for the most part. And nothing. They were... You know, I've been doing some research on it, and I can't figure out why Toronto was so much more successful than the Grizzlies. Well, I think it was, if you look at the team that, that was put together, Toronto had a better, um, they were drafting a lot better. Because they were mm-hmm. both bad when they both started. But uh, Vancouver, you know, they had Sharif Abdul-Rahim, was like their main player for a long time. 
Yeah. Uh, they had Brian Big Country Reeves. And that was always a team that, you know, they just never seemed like – like when you went to – when a team went to Vancouver, it was kind of like, okay, it's, a, it's just a nice trip. There was no fear in going to Vancouver because no one was showing up to exactly. the game. Exactly. But I don't so, think Vancouver was a desirable location back then. People started visiting Vancouver after the Winter Olympics. I think it was 2010. And that's whenever people started to realize how beautiful Vancouver is. Before then, it was just if you're coming to Canada, you're coming to Montreal or you're coming to Toronto. Hmm. Okay, that that makes sense. I mean, you know, that is true. I remember the Olympics and how it did grow. And, and there was actually discussions about bringing a team back to Vancouver, like the NBA trying again. So That would be great. It would be interesting to we see. We definitely need um, more Canadian teams. Well, you know, well, Toronto then would lose its whole rep about being Canada's team, which is pretty that, cool that when you think true. about it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, for more on that interview with Lala Kashashian, and you can hear more about how wrong I was and actually more about Toronto and Canada sports uh, go back and it's, it's an episode called international sports and uh, check that out it was definitely a great listen and she broke down everything about what's going on in Canada uh, also to Jana Austin the Brooklyn Nets organization as always for allowing us access to speak with them and just get answers on everything going on so uh, till next time this is sports social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn free speech radio iHeartRadio, radio and Spotify <laughs>